Welcome to the Brodies Employment and Immigration Podcast, brought to you in association with Workbooks by Brodies, our award-winning online HR and employment law resource. I'm Katie Spearman, a practice development lawyer in Brodies Employment and Immigration team, and joining me on today's episode are employment law partner and immigration law specialist Elaine McElroy, and also employment and immigration law solicitor Erin McLafferty. Welcome, Elaine and Erin. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. It's great to have you both on this episode, particularly as we're going to be shifting our focus to immigration and in particular sponsor licences. Understandably, everyone's attention over recent months has very much been on COVID-19 and the implications it has had and continues to have on businesses. But the clock has been continuing to tick in relation to the Brexit transition period, which ends at the end of this year, with new immigration rules still set to come into force as planned on the 1st of January 2021. So despite the business interruptions caused by COVID-19, employers still need to be planning ahead and preparing for the upcoming Brexit deadlines. And one of the key things for employers to think about from an immigration perspective is whether they need to apply for a sponsor licence. So on this episode, Elaine and Erin are going to be chatting through the key points employers should be thinking about when it comes to applying for a sponsor licence. So I'll pass you over to Erin. Great, thanks for that intro, Katie. Um, before we get on to looking at our top tips, it might be helpful to look at the kind of key changes that are coming into place in January. Would you be able to talk us through them, Elaine? Yeah, of course, Erin. So from the 1st of January 2021, as Katie said, there's going to be a new points-based immigration system, and that's going to replace the freedom of movement position for European nationals. So from that date onwards, they're going to have to apply for sponsorship under Tier 2 of the points-based system or for some other visa if they want to be able to come to the UK. And from that date, they're going to be covered by the new rules. In addition, from that date onwards, uh, the points-based system is going to cover medium-skilled jobs as well as highly-skilled jobs under Tier 2. So that will significantly increase the number of employees who are eligible for sponsorship and it's likely to mean that lots of employers who've not previously had an immigration license are going to have to have one for the first time. Lots of larger employers will already have those in place but this is going to expand the number of the organisations that need to have them and also certain jobs which are paid below the current salary threshold are going to be eligible for the first time. So certain jobs from a salary of £20,480 and above will be eligible for sponsorship. So that's why we're here to talk about sponsor licences today. But can you start by telling me, Erin, so what is a sponsor licence? How much does it cost and how long is it in place for when somebody gets one? So a sponsor licence is an approval by UK Visas and Immigration, which allows employers to sponsor migrant workers. Practically speaking, it's kind of access to what's called the sponsor management system and it lets uh, employers go on and do the kind of practical bit of sponsorship. But the important part is you have to be pre-approved and you have to make an application and uh, show your KBI certain things. The licence at the moment currently costs £1,476 for large employers and there is a concession for uh, what your KBI regard as small employers and it's in place for an initial period of four years. That's helpful, thanks. Um, and can you tell me a bit about what an employer needs to do before they go ahead and apply for the sponsor licence? I guess we'll come on to talk about the actual process itself. But um, in terms of rules for the sponsor licence, what does an employer need to think about? Before an employer 
goes ahead and makes an application, they should make sure that they can meet the requirements that UKVI need. So they should ensure that they're able to meet with all their compliance obligations, which are contained in the government document called Tier 2 and 5 Policy Guidance. There's two main obligations on sponsors. One is to be able to maintain record keeping and one is to report things or certain kind of events and things that happen throughout the life of a sponsorship. Um, and it's important for employers to make sure they have processes in place to comply with those obligations. So part of that, there's some key personnel that have to be identified. Would you be able to talk us through what those key personnel are and what they do? Yeah, sure. So any employer wanting to have a sponsor licence needs to identify what's called the authorising officer for the purposes of the licence. And that should be the most senior person in your organisation who's responsible for recruitment of migrant workers. And that person is also responsible for ensuring that the employer meets its compliance obligations. So it's important that that person is fully trained, that they understand what these compliance obligations are in terms of reporting and uh, keeping records, etc. And those individuals should have training on that. There's also two other key personnel that you might hear mentioned. A level one user who's the person who gets login details to be able to access the online sponsor management system to issue certificates of sponsorship and report other changes. And also a key contact who's the day-to-day -day contact with UKVI. So before you apply for your license, you need to think about who all those people will be. So can you tell me a bit about the actual license application process? How do you go about applying for one and what do employers need to think about in relation to that? Yeah, so the process itself involves an online application form, which is mainly factual information that the sponsor will put in themselves. It's usually about their organisation and the types of jobs and migrant workers they expect to sponsor. And they also have to submit some hard copy documents to UKVI. And those are uh, all found in what's called Appendix A, which is a document, again, on the .gov website. And within that, it contains all the documents UKVI might want to see to essentially show that you, as a sponsor, are trading legally in the UK and that you have a place of business in the UK. And do you have any tips in terms of when employers should think about applying for a sponsor licence? We've talked about the rule changes coming into effect on the 1st of January but presumably people can make applications under the new rules before that date, is that, is that right? Yeah, so you'll be able to apply for a visa to start work on the 1st of January from the autumn 2020. So if an employer has a need to sponsor someone and to get that process underway, it would be recommended that they start to think about putting their licence in place this summer to ensure that everything's in place and ready to go eh, by autumn when they think they'll need to start making applications for migrant workers. And how long do UKVI take to process an application once they get all the paperwork? So once UKVI have the paperwork on their desk and they've received the online application, they currently indicate that 80% of applications will be done within eight weeks, but sometimes it can take longer, particularly where UKVI want to come and do a compliance check and check that you've got all the processes in place before they grant the licence. We're also expecting that COVID might result in some delays to processing. So we would recommend that employers get their licenses, licenses in place as a priority if they think it's something they'll need. And I think the compliance check is an important point. Actually, you just mentioned that there. So UKVI can come out and do a compliance visit either before granting the license or at any point during the lifetime of the license. Um, and when they do 
I guess they check all these compliance processes and make sure that those are in place in terms of reporting, record keeping, illegal working checks being in order, etc. So having everything ready to go before you actually press go on the license application is really important. So I'm going to hand back to Katie now. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Elaine. It's clear there's quite a lot to think about, but like you say, planning in advance and making sure you make your applications in plenty of time will help stand you in good stead and and hopefully ensure you're ready to meet the relevant deadlines. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks very much to Erin and Elaine for their expert advice, and thank you for listening. For a summary of the key takeaway points, you can read Elaine's blog, which I'll link to in the show notes. Also, feel free to contact Elaine or Erin directly if you'd like their assistance with your application, or any other immigration queries more generally. They'd be happy to have a chat. I've included their details in the podcast show notes as well. And finally, Workbox by Brody's users can access detailed information on Brexit employment law considerations and key immigration issues on our dedicated Immigration and Brexit pages. We now also have a new podcast page on Workbox, so users have easy access to all our episodes, including links to useful Workbox content on each podcast topic. To find out more about Workbox or to sign up for a free trial, click the link in the show notes. (laughs) 